What a game. We will never forget this. Hopefully with joy in our hearts. Nine seconds left. Eagles by eight. Brady lines them up. He's back again. He steps up. He's hit. He stumbles. He is throwing it deep for the end zone. And it is batted around. And incomplete. And the game is over. The game is over. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere. This is for you. Let the celebration begin. It's Wednesday, February 7, 2018. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And Chet, Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl champions. You know, Bill, I still have to pinch myself once in a while to make sure it wasn't a dream. Just an amazing season, and wow, what a terrific game to finish it all off. And yes, for the first time ever in the Super Bowl era, the guys from Philly got to hoist the trophy. And by the way, Bill, it's not original now, I guess, but I have a name for this week's Philly Press Box radio episode. Go ahead. Philly special. Ready? Here we go, here we go. There you go. There you go. Hey, Chad, I might. I, I thought I might have to eat my words about defense winning championships. Those defenses Sunday were not good in coverage, tackling, or pretty much anything else in that game. Well, if you didn't mention that, Bill, I certainly was going to. But they did make a couple of big plays when it counted, which we'll get to in a little bit, I'm sure. Yeah, we will. And, uh, hey, we've got a busy show in front of us, so let's get it rolling and we want to welcome back two of our favorite guests, Bill Werndell and Joe Valley, are, are both here with us. Bill was in the press box with Merle Reese uh, when Merle made that call. And, Bill, you've become a bit of an Internet sensation as Merle's spotter on the Merle cam at Eagles games. Well, here's the deal. I was not in Minnesota. and There was a situation that they, uh, they did not fly me out to Minnesota, but I was there for the uh, – Minnesota championship game over the Vikings. I was a little disappointed I was not in Minnesota, but that was the uh, the breaks of the game. So oh, wow. It just, well, it, it it is what it is, and we just have to turn the page. Yep. Hey, Bill Warndell, we're going to start with you. Uh, we'll talk to Joe in just a second and then more later with Joe. But, Bill, you're a Philly guy who's been a forever fan of this Eagles team. You were frequently the spotter for Merrill, as Bill mentioned, at least the games at the link. And you finally did get to enjoy a Birds Super Bowl victory. So what was your reaction Sunday night, and what does this championship mean to you personally? Well, I remember when they won in 1960. Of course, they didn't have the hoopla back in 1960. They didn't have a parade or anything like that. It was a great, great feeling to see the Eagles hoist the Lombardi Trophy. But remember, Lombardi only lost one postseason game, and that was the Philadelphia Eagles in 1960 and the Chuck McNerick, Norm Van Brocklin squad. So it was so appropriate that the Eagles, after all these years, were able to hoist the Lombardi Trophy. It meant an awful lot. I mean, as a longtime Philadelphia uh, resident, uh, you know, I spent 12 and a half years in San Diego, but I still followed the Philadelphia sports scene pretty closely. And, and you look what the Eagles have endured over the years. They were close in 1980 with Dick Vermeil. They just ran into a buzzsaw with the Oakland Raiders. And then the bad clock management by Andy Reid in the Super Bowl 13 years ago. And then they had so many opportunities uh, under Andy Reid to get to the Super Bowl. They only made one. And so it, it really vindicates all the – difficult years that the Eagles have gone through. There were some really tough years when Vermeil took over the f- football team. He had no draft picks. I mean, his first 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 round draft pick was Jerry Robinson after three years in 1979. So it was a very tough ill decline for the Eagles for many, many years. So let me turn our attention to uh, Joe Valley, your co-author, Bill, for the great book, No Curveballs. Joe, yeah. welcome to the show. Welcome back. And what was your reaction on Sunday night when the Eagles won it all? You know what, Chet? There was one defining moment, and I know they had to, to run out the clock for, for a little bit, in which Tom Brady a little bit is sometimes is a death sentence. 
when Brandon Graham stripped the ball, I was with a circle of people, and about four of those people said the same thing. Eagles need the play of the game right here, right now. They've been doing it all year. They've got to do it right here. And then it happened like clockwork. And I just told myself, you know what, like this is it. Like I went, I went nuts. You know, all year this team has made the big play when it's needed to make the big play, and that was no exception. And I knew we had to run out the clock and we had to go down the field a little bit, but in my heart of hearts that, that this was going to happen and they were going to do it. Yep. Yeah, and the one thing you, you have to talk about this. Go ahead, Bill. Uh, uh, the one thing you have to mention is the great job Doug Peterson did this year keeping this team together. When, when, when you look at all the guys he lost, key components like a Jason Peters, a Darren Sproles, a Marigos, then losing Carson Wentz. And then a lot of people question whether Nick Foles could get him to the promised land. And, of course, he struggled uh, down the stretch in that Oakland game. People were really questioning. And then the Dallas game, he only played a, a quarter. And people were talking about that. Is, is Nick Foles the guy? And they, they said, maybe we'll, we'll beat Atlanta, but we, then we have Minnesota, a very, very tough defense of the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, it, it, it was, it was a, a real, real big question mark with Nick Foles. But this guy really uh, stepped up to the plate and hit a grand slam home run. And, I mean, you got to give Doug Peterson a lot of credit. And when he wasn't even mentioned in the top three for coach of the year, he should have been coach of the year, not uh, the McVay kid from the, the Rams. I think that was a real injustice. Absolutely. Well, hey, Bill, the, um, as you were watching the game play out, and, and you've seen most of the games, the uh, were you surprised, as I mentioned in the open, that the defenses were just – they couldn't get anything done. They couldn't stop Brady – uh, the Eagles and, and the Patriots certainly couldn't stop Foles. It was a track meet and really, really surprised me. It really did. I, I thought it would, the game would be 27-24. Uh, I, I thought it would be a little bit back and forth. But the way the teams marched down the field, especially against the Eagles' defense, there were some plays that looked like blown coverages. Uh, guys were wide open in the, in the secondary, Amendola, Gronkowski, and they didn't do a very good job slowing Gronkowski down. I know that's a tall order, but, you know, a, a guy like Gronkowski, who is such a weapon, you've got to put a body on him. You have to make him fight for every yard he gets. And I, I thought he had too many easy releases off the line of scrimmage. And that really perturbed me a little bit. Hey, Bill, you mentioned Nick Foles a moment ago. Uh, how about what he accomplished over the past month and a half? Did that surprise you at all, or did you know that this guy had it in him from what we saw in 2013? Uh, I don't think anybody thought Nick Foles could lead him to the Super Bowl. If anybody tells you they thought Nick Foles would get him to the Super Bowl, I think those people have gone to the Pinocchio school of lying, all right? Because it, it just it it just didn't seem to be in the cards. I mean, when Wentz Wentz went down, people were saying, "Wow, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do?" Yeah, Nick Foles is a good quarterback, but you lose arguably the MVP of the league, and he goes down in a heap. And now Nick Foles, next man up. And remember, Foles did not get that much work. He didn't get any work in training camp. He didn't play in any of the games any of the games in the, in, in the, in the preseason or the exhibition season. And it was really, really tough because he didn't have any reps at all. And that was a tough situation. So there's a lot of question marks about Nick Foles. Hey, Bill, one other guy that's kind of been under the radar here in this whole thing is Howie Roseman. Although he was named executive of the, of the year, he hasn't gotten a lot of print. He's been laying in the background but boy, he did a heck of a him and his staff did a heck of a job putting this team together. Well, I, I think you got a credit. I, I, I'm going to give Roseman some credit, but he has he has some personnel people. Tom Donahoe, the longtime executive with the Steelers, mm-hmm. who helped mold the Steelers Super Bowl teams. Uh, he worked under Chuck Knoll and later hired Bill Cowher. And uh, Tom Donahoe is one of the best evaluators of of talent in this league. And then you have Joe Douglas, an excellent, excellent evaluator of college and pro personnel. Then you go to Ian Cunningham, the director of uh, college scouting, and, of course, Andy Weidel, Joe Douglas's right-hand man. So Howie had a lot of help in that front office. And I think it will be a very, very important move. I don't want to see the Eagles lose Joe Douglas next offseason uh, to another franchise. If I'm Jeffrey Lurie right now, 
I'd make Howie Roseman uh, executive president of football operations and make Joe Douglas the day-to-day general manager. That's what I would do. Hmm. Good idea. Bill, beyond Nick Foles, whom we talked about a moment ago, any players particularly surprise you this season? The one guy that really had a very fine season was Nigel Bradham. He had an excellent season. He even had a good season last year, but Bradham really stepped it up. I thought he had an excellent season. Vinnie Curry turned it around this year. I mean, the play of Jalen Mills, I know sometimes he gambles a little bit, but he had a solid year. And, and what about the uh, the monster at running back, Ajayi, LeGarrette Blunt, you know, was signed to a one-year deal. I mean, Corey Clement who was an undrafted free agent, the way he played. And how about the play of Vitae after he replaced Jason Peters? Now, Doug Peterson said Jason Peters, if healthy, will be the starting left tackle. So, I mean, Vitae really stepped up his play. So this gives the Eagles a lot of depth along that offensive line. Hey, Bill, take a look at the bigger picture. Um, Something that has really surprised me, you've been around a long time around all the Philadelphia sports, and it certainly didn't seem like it used to be this way, but the support that the other organizations in this city have been given the Eagles has been second to none. It's it's a beautiful thing to see in my mind. Absolutely. Uh, The Phillies have stepped up to the plate. Uh, the Sixers, the Flyers. Remember, Doug Peterson dropped the puck of, uh, about a, two weeks ago at a Flyers game. They gave him a Flyers jersey. I mean, all these franchises, you know, they root for each other because each team, when they win, that brings attention to the city of Philadelphia. And that's so, so important. Uh, back in the day when Joe Banner was running the Eagles, he wanted the Eagles to be front and center all the time. And you can't do that. I mean, this is a city that has four major sports teams, six college basketball teams, and I think you cannot be selfish. I mean, every team, the Flyers, the Sixers, uh, the the Phillies, were all rooting. And when the Phillies are in a position, or the Sixers are in a position, or the Flyers are in a position uh, to uh, win a championship, I certainly think the Eagles will be right there front and center. Yeah, I thought it was interesting uh, in one of the games that the Flyers were playing the Capitals down in Washington and the, the Eagles were playing that uh, that night game. It was the Vikings game, the 640 kickoff. And uh, listening to the, the hockey game on the radio and the announcers were saying that the Flyers couldn't wait for this game to end so they could get on the train to get back to get to the Eagles game. And I guess they had a box or something for those guys and they went as a team. And I thought that was pretty cool. That that re- really is cool. I mean, the Flyers, you know, the Flyers with Paul Holmgren and Ron Hextall and Dave Hextall, and a great, great public relations man in Zach Hill. There's not a better public relations man in this country, maybe this world, than Zach Hill. One of the best I've ever come across, and he's got to be in my top three. Hey, Bill, also over the weekend, we learned that Brian Dawkins and Terrell Owens are going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, your reaction to that news, what do you think of those two guys? Well, Dawkins deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He was one of the most intimidating safeties ever to come down the pike. And I think Terrell Owens should have went on the first ballot. I know he had problems in different cities, but his numbers speak volumes. And he should have not had to wait three times to get in the, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was a Hall of Famer at the outset. His numbers didn't change, and I think that was very, very unfair. I mean, I know he had a rocky relationship here in Philadelphia, but, you know, Terrell Owens helped them almost win a Super Bowl by playing on a leg that many people thought he would not even be ready for training camp, and he worked his tail off to get ready, and he had one of the greatest Super Bowls ever. Hey Bill, and we were—I was kidding you a little bit about that Merle cam, uh, but but you are on there quite a bit, and uh, you're actually having a lot of fun doing that spot. It looks like you're working hard, and I, I wanted to tell you that you and I have a mutual friend in that Taylor Zarzer is a good friend of mine, and I know you work with Taylor on ESPN, so uh, it looks like you have a lot of fun doing what you're doing. Taylor is one of the up-and-coming announcers at ESPN if he's going to stay there or if he's going to get other opportunities. I think he's one of the classiest young men I've ever worked with. He really does a lot of preparation for the game. 
and we had a, we had a lot of fun doing games this year in the Southeast Conference Network. I mean, it was a lot of fun, and Taylor is one of the classiest young men that I've ever come across. He doesn't have an ego, and he just does a really a really credible job. I've had the opportunity to work some, with some great announcers, going back to my days with with Charlie Swift, and then Merle Reese, and then Jim Sports Kelly at Channel 10, who worked many, many, many games, Jim Lampley, Bill White, you name the guys. I've worked with them. Ron Franklin for 25 years, Lindsey Nelson. I've had an opportunity, Kevin Harlan. I've had an opportunity to work with some really great people, and it's really a pleasure uh, when you're in in the – the booth and standing next to these guys in in the box spotting games. I mean, I've done over a thousand games in my career. Uh, that's that's a pretty good number, but I, I hope I can do another thousand games. Awesome. Hey, Bill, before we let you go and turn our attention to Joe, I want to mention uh, you do have your book, No Curveballs, written with Joe Valley, and we had you on last August and talked about it. A terrific read, so make sure you pick that up, folks, if you haven't. No Curveballs, uh, the great book by Joe and Bill. And before we often have this conversation, you know, who's next in Philly to win a title? The Eagles have their Super Bowl now, so which of the other three major teams do you think is closest and has the best shot at winning a title? Boy, that's that's a that's a that's a great question. That may be the sixty four thousand or sixty four <laughs> million dollar question. I mean I think the Flyers probably are the closest and the Sixers right there. I mean, the Flyers are going through ups and downs, but they have a great young defense. They've got a couple of young uh, goaltenders in their system. I mean, they'll probably make the playoffs as like an A seed. But I think the Flyers and the Sixers, I think they're on the right track if they can keep Embiid healthy uh, for the entire season. I mean, I know he'll need time off, but I certainly think the Sixers are close. And the Phillies, again, they're in a division with Washington getting a little older have an opportunity, but how do they respond to Gabe Kapler? That is the big question. So, I, I mean, I think the Flyers, I think it, it looks very promising uh, for Philadelphia sports. I remember when I first started at Channel 6 back in the day, it was the, the Eagles were down, the Phillies were down, the Flyers were just coming on the scene, the Sixers had just won a championship, and they, they went on to lose the 72 games. And that that year under uh, Ray Rubin, I mean, it was it was uh, really a downtime. And then the Phillies started getting good, and then the Flyers won two Stanley Cups, and the Sixers got Dr. J and George McGinnis and those people, and then the Eagles got Dick Vermeil and everything. Four teams went to the championship round in 1980: uh, the Flyers, the Sixers, the Eagles, and the Phillies. And the Phillies won a championship that year. Awesome. Well, Bill, hey, we've about run out of time. we got Joe sitting over there waiting patiently, and we appreciate that. But we certainly appreciate you joining us again, and uh, let's do it again. Well, absolutely. And, and the thing is, Joe Valley deserves all the credit for the great book. I just re- uh, told a lot of stories to Joe, and it was great having Joe uh, as my author. And uh, I think if, if people get an opportunity to pick up this book, they'll really enjoy uh, the book. Will you agree, Mr. Joe Valley? Uh, hey, how can I argue with that, Bill? <laughs> that was the greatest, Absolutely. The greatest, okay. greatest pitches I've ever heard. All right. Talk to you later, Thanks, guys. Bill. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Take Bill. care. All right. Joe Valley now joining us. Joe, the co-author of at least three books, maybe more. I don't know. Busy, busy guy. Uh, Joe, I want to ask you, you've got a landmark birthday coming up next week. Now, this Super Bowl win was a pretty nice early gift, was it not? Oh, it sure was, Chet. I mean, like you said, to paraphrase the Eagles, uh, it's, it is indeed special in Philly right now. And, you know, right now I, I ideally wanted to take a little trip to commemorate the celebration like I did uh, my previous landmark birthday. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to do that. But a nice substitute will be tomorrow at the art museum for sure. Yep, the big parade. Uh, Joe, where does this Super Bowl win rank among your Philly sports highlights? Oh, it's got to be right at the top. I mean, first and foremost, full confession, the Phillies are, have always been number one in my heart. We had season tickets for close to 40 years, got rid of them a couple of years ago. When I was able to watch that with my dad at Citizens Bank Park when 
Bradley struck out Eric Hinsky in Game Five in 2008. It was just—it was just really an amazing moment. All those summers in the 80s, in the 90-degree turf, Lane Veterans Stadium, up to then. I mean, it really, it really made it worth it. And I wrote something on Philly to Philly the other week, saying if the Eagles won the Super Bowl, it would make the fog ball seem a lot less foggy. The <laughs> NFC Championship defeats seem a lot less bitter. And all the natty ice that's been consumed over the last 30 years would be replaced with the taste of the best premium lager money can buy. And, <laughs> and, 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 it's, and, it's, and it's so true. And not only that, guys, and I think you would agree, I'm not sure exactly what number in particular it fits. It's got to be one of the better Super Bowls ever played on top of it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. At least, yeah. At least top 10, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, top five. Top five for sure. Yeah. So well, I've seen I was going to ask you, and you kind of you kind of started down the road. So I'll just go ahead and, and finish it up. Does this game, um, you know, so many stories have come out about family memories and things like that with fathers and uncles and and grandfathers. Does this uh, Eagles have any connection to you family wise like that? Absolutely, Bill. It's so funny that you asked that because in 1960, my grandfather took my dad to Franklin Field with his friends. My dad was a senior in high school. And my dad is a distinction of being at all of the possible Philadelphia in town clinching championship games except for 1980. He was there in the Flyers one. He was there in the Phillies one. I know when the, when the Eagles won at Franklin Field in 1960, he turned 75 the day before Super Bowl 52. And I watched the game with him. And it was almost like a passing of the torch because the last Eagles championship, he was with his dad and I was with him at my house. We had, we had some people over when they won. So that was, that, that, was, that was something else. It was really special. And I've been able to nice. watch both championships over the last 35 years with my dad by my side. Well, that, that, that's awesome. And I can tell you, for, in my own case, my, my dad is uh, 88 years old. And uh, unfortunately, he was in Philly and I was in Florida, and I did not get to watch the game with him, and, and it pained me the whole entire day. I kept saying to my wife, I should be home with Dad. I should be watching this with Dad. Well, you know what you need to do, Bill? They have the replay of the Super Bowl on the NFL Network. Find him and watch it with him. That's right. There you go. That's, right. That's what we're going to do. Great. Hey, uh, Joe, this Eagles team that we're also, you know, excited about for obvious reasons, do you think they're set to contend for the next several years now? I think they are, Chet. And what's really interesting is, hey, look, I didn't think the Eagles had a hope in hell of, of, of advancing past the first round of the playoffs after Nick Foles took over. Not that I doubt his ability, because he had barely played in two years, and he hadn't looked good at all in the final weeks leading towards the playoffs. I will be happy to say that, I, that I'm eating crow. We all know that Foles is not going to be starting next year, and Carson Wentz is going to take his place. <laughs> Excuse me. All <laughs> these guys are mostly under contract. So, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Joe, um, years. Have, you, have you ever witnessed a game, and, and this would probably have been a good question to ask Phil as well, because he's watched more than all of us, but – have you ever witnessed a game where a coach, what I won't say was reckless, but he he coached the game with abandon. He coached the game to win. I, I don't think I've ever seen a game like that. You know what? A couple months ago, I uh, I posted on Philly to Philly that when it became apparent that it wasn't going to be your typical Eagles season and that they might do something special before Wentz injured that the thought of Doug Peterson coaching against Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl scared the crap out of me. <laughs> hmm. But you know what? He, he threw caution to the wind. We've seen him do it all year. And that was the thing. They didn't do anything differently in that game that they hadn't done all year. Yes, for, from a coaching perspective, they stuck out to the game him. plan. He outcoached yeah. him. Yeah, neither I Belichick don't. Yeah, or Jim Schwartz had a particularly good game on Sunday, but no one's going to no. worry about that now. <laughs> right. 
Hey, Joe, you've co-authored at least three books, like I said. In fact, we've had Bill Werndell, Matt Goldberg, and Bill Simmons on with us in the past. So any new projects on that front? By the way, great seeing you in El Wingador, Bill Simmons, last week at the post-Wing Bowl bash at Tollman Joe's. Anything new coming up on that front for you? Uh, on the writing front, no. I think right now the, uh, the trilogy that I have holds up pretty well. It is well-received. Book writing, not the most lucrative occupation if you're looking to, to, to do something in, in that realm. And I think right now, it is to paraphrase Billy Joel in one of his songs, these are the last words I have to say for, uh, gotcha. for a little bit. For a little bit. It's, uh, there's other opportunities going on. I have the Rainbow Rabbit anti-bullying program, and we're making progress with that as far as possible animated series online. And the El Wingador restaurants, which we're still trying to get money for. So that's really where my main focuses are on right now. So writing take a step back, but, you know, it was, it, it was, it was fun. Working on those projects was great. I met a lot of great people. And I got to meet, you know, it's, the whole experience in general is just, you know, chalk it off to another, another positive experience in the, in the realm of life, I guess. Hey, Joe, you mentioned Rainbow Rabbit. I see the posts on Facebook and on Twitter. For people who don't know, what is Rainbow Rabbit? How did it begin? How's it going? Rainbow Rabbit was a character created by my grandfather. He used to be an animator for Walt Disney back in the 1930s. And Rainbow Rabbit, it's really it was a book that was written about 40 years ago, but it's really based on a tale of unity and inclusion and kindness and acceptance, which are a lot of issues that young kids and even adults are facing in society today. It's a, it's a storybook, you know, and, and Rainbow Rabbit is the star of the book. And we turned it into an anti-bullying slash educational program that we're featuring in schools throughout the tri-state area. And little by little, it's picking up steam, and we have a lot, a lot of big plans for it. And we're teaming up actually with somebody in Los Angeles that really liked our idea and our concept. And one of the things that we're going to do is probably launch some animated shorts probably within the next couple months. This is breaking news, by the way. Nobody knows this. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but uh, that's one thing. We're going to continue to expand the, the program into schools across the tri-state area. And our goal is to get it in all 50 states. So we, we have high expectations. And, you know, slowly but surely, things are really starting to starting to come around and, you know, hey, we're, we're a nonprofit, so anybody listening is, you know, interested in improving the welfare of children today, feel free to make some donations. <laughs> Go to the RainbowRabbit.com. <laughs> Hashtag shameless plug. Well, that's all right. <laughs> hey, hey, Joe, now, it, let me understand it. Has this already launched, or is this something you're working on? And if we have listeners that want to to get you or your, your group into the schools, uh, how do they go about that? They can email us at info at uh, rainbow. Oh, jeez, God, I don't even know the, the web address. You can con- you can contact us contact us at the website, which is therainbowrabbit.com, and all of our contact information is on there. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Rainbow Rabbit. So all those all those venues, you can you can reach out to us there and and and, and find us. And it has launched. It launched. It's been it's been in existence for probably for a couple of years. It took us, gosh, five or six years to perfect the program, and we've uh, met with educators, anti-bullying specialists, school teachers, child psychologists, who all had a hand in shaping these lessons and putting them together. Very cool. Very very good. Uh, very good thing to work on. It's uh, much needed. Great job. Thank you. Hey, Joe, I know uh, you said you're a huge Phillies fan, always have been. Uh, what do you think of the Phillies' 2018 season, you know, as we get ready to start spring training next week? What's the outlook? They still need some pitching, I know, but pretty good one-through-eight lineup, I think. Not a bad one-through-eight lineup, Chet. You are right. Pitching is needed, and the more that you Darvish and Jake Arrieta are in the open market, which I'm kind of – flabbergasted by, you know, I, I don't know what's going on there. I know that there was talk that there was possible collusion in free agency because there's been so little activity. But regardless, they do. They need somebody else to compliment Aaron Nola or maybe somebody who's a number one, who's a little bit farther in the depth chart than Aaron Nola. Their pitching is a, is a I'm not going to say it's worrying, but there's just a lot of unproven commodities there. 
I think the more interesting thing, two points here, well, three, the addition of Carlos Santana is going to help. It's going to round their offense out tremendously no matter where he plays, and it looks like he's going to be a three. Number two, how they respond, like Bill said, to Gabe Kaplan. I mean, this guy could be somebody everybody in this town loves, or he could be the next Chip Kelly. I don't think there's a fine line in between there. Number three, winning is contagious, no matter what realm of lights you're in. And I used to be a musician, Chad, as you know. And yep. I used to play with Hailstorm. They're from, from Pennsylvania, and now they've oh, got wow. a bunch of Grammys. They've worked with members of Van Halen and just all, all walks of life out there in Los Angeles now. But we used to play with them every week in Philadelphia. And I remember one summer walking in, and they're about to, to play a show. We weren't playing that night, but we were hanging out with them, and they were really happy. And those guys never partied before a show. They are really straight ahead, you know, they meant business. And I remember asking them, you know, what's, what's the deal? And they looked at me and he said, they said, you know, you didn't hear? We got signed today by Atlantic Records. I was like, whoa. Hmm. And as, as, as their friends, I thought that was fantastic. I was happy for them because they worked very hard. As their colleague, I got envious in a good way because it really spurned my creative juices and it made me want what they have. I wanted to do that too. I want my band to get signed. And Reese Hoskins was at the Super Bowl. And there's pictures of it in there. Don't think that's not going through his mind and the guys on the Flyers and certainly Joel and Dean on the Sixers that, you know what? We want to be the toast of the town, too. We want what the Eagles have right now. Hmm. And I think, I think that really inspires everybody, if you're an athlete especially, to up your game. So time will tell. Yes, indeed. And, Joe, I'm going to end it with you with a final question, that same one I asked Bill Werndell. Of the three other teams, not counting the Super Bowl-winning champion Eagles, who do you think is closest? Who's going to be next to win a championship? If Embiid stays healthy and they get some extra pieces, the Sixers. I think the Flyers, God love them, but it just seems to me that they can't get out of their own way, whether it's, it's the goaltending position or just getting that final piece of the puzzle. I'm going to go with the Sixers. Sixers, then maybe the Flyers, and the Phillies have a little bit to go, but they're not too far behind the Flyers. Going to be fun to watch. Sure. All right. Hey, hey Joe, uh, we've used up all your time, so uh, well, let's thank no, you for pleasure. joining I, us. I appreciate you guys having me. Chet, I'll, uh, I'll see you bright and early, huh? See you as we go to the parade tomorrow. That's right, Joe. That's right. It's going to be right. fun. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. All right, Joe. Thanks, my Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Great show. Thank you. We'll see. All right, Bill, I've talked about this establishment all season. It is a terrific place to eat lunch or dinner or have a couple of beers with your pals. You know the place, the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, Bucks County. The Irish Rover has a terrific atmosphere, daily food and drink specials, a spacious dining area, extensive beer list, and menu items from burgers and gourmet wings to barbecued ribs. Trivia every Wednesday night these days, and live music courtesy STEM Live this Saturday night. Oh, starting at 10 a.m. Thursday, the Irish Rover this week hosts a tailgate party in conjunction with that little Eagles parade. So, yeah, 10 a.m. at the Rover, big tailgate party, special menu, special prices. To find out more about all of that, visit their website, irishroverstationhouse.com. The Irish Rover Station House, located on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. I'm alive. I know you've been glued to the TV and the internet like I have, watching, listening to everything you can. And, you know, we started out tonight with Pink and the National Anthem, and she was her fantastic self. But we came across this piece that I thought was a gem. This is little Isabella. Izzy for short. Check this out. And she's, what, nine years old? And isn't she the granddaughter of a good friend of the show? 
she is the granddaughter of that Danny Bevins, and uh, he posted that, and I thought, man, this is this is awesome, uh, you know. And she learned that for her pop up, so uh, we wanted to give a shout out to Izzy. Great job, and uh, proud man. Yeah, she did a great job. And you know what, Bill? I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you enjoyed that more than Justin Timberlake. You are 100% right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's talk a little bit. Before we talk Eagles, let's talk about that Justin Timberlake and, uh, and Pink, for that matter. What, what was your take? I was, I was certainly disappointed in, in Timberlake. I thought it was average at best. All right. First of all, Pink, I thought she did a great job. And I don't know if I mentioned this. Uh, to you over the weekend, but she was fighting the flu. So she yes. was not feeling well during the weekend. And uh, she just sounded great, I thought. Very, you know, nice version. She didn't try to do any kind of theatrical stuff or whatever. She just sang the song and sang it very well. I thought Pink did a terrific job. Me too. Hey, did you see the post uh, about her brother and her at the Super Bowl? I did not. Her brother is a uh, veteran, and someone who was at the game with him um, took a photo of him in the aisle by his seat in his Eagles jersey, saluting the flag with his sister singing. Uh, That's pretty cool. You know it. So tell me about Timberlake. All right, Timberlake, here's the deal. I think Justin Timberlake is a fantastic performer. He's a great dancer. Uh, he's also a super nice guy from what we can tell, you know, from his visits to Jimmy Fallon's show and the other talk shows that he visits. And just every, every time I've seen him interviewed and from what I hear, great guy. As for his music, I think he's okay. But to be honest, it's just not my thing. I'm more of a classic rock guy, as you know. Give me Bruce Springsteen or the Stones or Aerosmith or those guys. Uh, And among newer artists, I I prefer Bruno Mars to Justin Timberlake. I think Timberlake is an average singer. And there are very few of his songs that have really, you know, got me, like me saying, that is a great song. So that's pretty much the way it worked the other night. I thought the dancing was great. Um, the backup singers were fine, but just the songs in general didn't do it for me. So on a scale of one to 10, I'm going to go 6.3. Wow. That's pretty (laughs) detailed. Uh, I'll go average. I'll stick to five and and call it a day. Hey, let's talk about the game. Um, What really surprised you the most? Well, how well the offense played, of course. That's got to be the biggest surprise. But also the way every single Eagle was so damn ready to play, so focused, not the least bit scared about playing against the five-time champions in a title game watched by 100 million-plus people. You and I both watched that uh, terrific Inside the NFL program on Showtime this week, and we saw and heard just how calm and collected the birds were, especially on that Philly special play that – I will never, ever get tired of watching ever the rest of my life. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And, you know, I've watched the strip sack so many times. Uh, you know, I might have worn the tape out already, but uh, Philly, Philly, Philly special is pretty, pretty good, no doubt. Yeah, the thing yeah, that and, surprised me, Chet, is that, that yep. I, I really believe in the game plan. And, and Doug, Doug kind of said this, you know, we didn't come here to lose. I didn't want to give my get my team in a situation where we were just playing to hang on. And I think this game was won with the mentality weeks ago. I think they prepared for as crazy as it was for fourth and one at their own 45 with the game on the line. They never wavered. And to me, the preparation there from, from Peterson and the staff and the team was just tremendous. Yeah, they were just so prepared. And getting back to that Philly special, I loved watching that on the inside of the NFL when Foles went over. And, you know, Foles looked at Peterson and said, uh, Philly, Philly, I think he called it. Peterson thought about it for, you know, two seconds and said, yeah, let's do it. Then, you know, Foles goes back in the huddle and just says, Philly special. And they went out, carried it out to perfection. Kudos to Trey Burton. Kudos to Corey Clement. And kudos to, kudos to Foles. 
Because in my mind, you know, even as I'm watching the replay for the 10th and 20th time, I'm thinking, God, I hope Foles doesn't, like, trip over his own feet as he's going out for that pass or whatever, even though I know he didn't. Um, <laughs> he catches it every single time. I see it now. And uh, I just love that play. I love that call. I love the whole way that they went about getting to that call. Yeah, and, and the thing that the other thing about that that was really cool to me is that the the snap count was on the second lane. Yeah. When when you know, when Foles went over there he's yelling, Lane, Lane. Well when he hit the second lane, that was the signal for uh Kelsey to snap the football. Everything executed perfect. And speaking of Jason Kelsey, saw a couple of post game interviews with him, you know, one right after the game, then one in the locker room. Man, so much emotion from him. Uh, he was, you know, talking about the whole underdog thing and being counted out and the, the Rocky comparisons. And, boy, I got to be honest, I had written Jason Kelsey off about a season and a half ago. I thought he was definitely on the downside of his career. He had a great season and a terrific Super Bowl. There was that one block where he stuck his arms out and blocked two guys at the same time. Jason Kelsey wanted this win, and, man, did he show it. Yeah, and I think uh, I'll confirm this, but I believe he was rated the number. I know he's rated the number one center in the league. I believe he was the highest graded lineman in the league this year. Yeah, and I think he did not make the Pro Bowl, but he made All Pro. Is that right? Uh, no, I think he made the Pro Bowl. Also, okay. Not that he had to play in that one anyway, because no, we were in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, I tell you this, Chad. You know, I was I was confident in the Eagles. I thought they would uh, would win this game. But I tell you what, I wasn't nervous during the game because of the. I thought the Eagles couldn't be stopped, and sooner or later, I thought the Eagles were going to make a stop, which took all the way to the end of the game. But the thing that got me a little nervous was in the pregame interview, not long before, maybe like a quarter to six, it was on. And they were interviewing Tom Brady, and then it looked like the New England pregame show. And Brady <laughs> says, they're not doing anything I don't know about. Hmm. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is not a good thing. <laughs> well, yeah, the defense didn't do a whole lot, apparently. That you know, fooled anybody. But they did make the couple of big plays. There was the strip sack. There was that hit by Malcolm Jenkins on Cooks that knocked him out of the game. There was that one tackle by Rodney McLeod, which I think was also on Cooks before he left the game. So they did make a few plays, uh, not a whole lot, but just enough to get that W. Yeah, and, and you know, flipping over to the other side of the ball, as I mentioned in the, in the article that I wrote for on the website, our Philly Press Box Radio website, the offensive line was just terrific. And, you know, we talked about Big V against James Harrison, uh, last week, and could he could he hang on? And you know, Collinsworth and them tried to make a little bit of a deal out of Big V. He was completely under control, and James Harrison was no worry in that game. Yeah, he did a terrific job. And you know, aside from a couple of games, maybe two thirds of the way into the season after Peters went down, Vitae did a real good job, and he was fine throughout the playoffs. So I have nothing but praise for him. And yeah, and the rest of the line, Lane Johnson too, of course. Another guy, and we touched on him briefly earlier in the show, Corey Clement. How about this guy? Um, do you realize he was the Birds' leader in the Super Bowl with exactly 100 receiving yards? This from an undrafted kid from South Jersey, by the way, of the University of Wisconsin. And after watching the Super Bowl, I remembered that we had PSU radio voice Steve Jones on with us last August. And I asked Steve about Corey Clement, who at the time in August was still just trying to make the Eagles 53-man roster. And this is what Steve Jones had to say about him. Corey Clement, really good back between the tackles. I think he's the kind of guy that moves chains along the way. Hard worker, better receiver out of the backfield than people realize. And now we know. Yep. Hey, and, and I was on board with Corey Clement from the start from camp. I loved him. Because I, I loved the way he played at Wisconsin. I thought he was going to be a great back. And uh, who knew he was going to be a third down back? But I tell you what, that stiff arm running down the middle of the field after he caught that pass is one of my top five favorite plays of this game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I do remember you from the day that they signed him, that you said you liked him and you hoped that they gave him a good shot. And they certainly did. And then Sproles went down, and he became a much bigger part of the offense. He did. Hey, here, here's a stat for you you may or may not know, Chet. Running back snaps in the Super Bowl, Jay Ajayi, 25, 
LeGarrette Blunt, 24. Corey Clement, 24. 255 yards total offense. Wow. That is balance. <laughs> That's the three-headed monster if there ever was one. Yeah. Uh, again, great job by Doug Peterson with the game plan, with you know mixing things up. Look at those receiving yards. It was among, what, seven or eight different guys catching passes um, between Ertz and the wide receivers and Clement. Uh, just a, a masterful job. And, of course, Nick Foles with uh, the biggest catch of all. So <laughs> great job by Doug and Nick. Yeah. Hey, Ted, one other thing I wanted to mention to you, and uh, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Westlake High School in Austin, Texas. You familiar with that place? I've heard of it. Yeah, there's a quarterback. Uh, it's the 2017 Super Bowl MVP, 52, Nick Foles. And that's Is where Drew Brees went? And Drew Brees also? That's where Drew Brees went. So that's it. That's, that's why I knew it. walking around with a pretty puffy chest today. <laughs> I'll say two Super yep. Bowl champions and Super Bowl MVPs. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Class of 97, Drew Brees, class of 07, Nick Foles. Not bad. Not bad. Well, good stuff, champ. i tell you what, we're going to talk Eagles throughout the whole, uh, we got lots to talk about. We could talk about it for hours and hours. That's for sure. Hey, there's another event scheduled for tomorrow, and there's a few people in the Delaware Valley and around the country pretty excited. Uh, as you said earlier, you'll be attending this event called a parade. Yes, matter of fact, I will. Be. I think I maybe want to take a ride, want to take a ride. It's a Philadelphia. <laughs> Getting up at 5 a.m. or maybe even earlier to make sure that we get there. I'm going to hook up with Joe Valley. Uh, a friend of a friend supposedly has a parking spot reserved for us, not too far from the parade route. So, yeah, it's going to be an early start. It's going to be a very long, very tiring, but incredibly fun, memorable day, I'm sure. Well, I'll tell you, if, uh, if it's anything like what it sounds like it's going to be, other than there could be the nightmare of a log jam of people and, and traffic and stuff and everything else that's not going to be able to get you where you want to go, it sounds like it's going to be an awful lot of fun, but it sounds like it could uh, turn into a mess. Too many people. And if you're watching it on the TV, look for me. I'll be the guy in the green Eagles jacket. <laughs> You'd be the only one. Hey, you know, uh, <laughs> speaking of parades, Chet, you know, our buddy Adam Ujessic, who uh, lives down here in Lakeland, Adam's a Del- Delaware County guy. He's up there in Philly already for the parade, but he was also him and his wife, Sam, and the kids were at, Walt Disney World to see Nick Foles the other day in his parade. Yeah, I saw some of the video he posted on Facebook. So uh, good for Adam. And, boy, quite a week for Nick Foles. He's made the rounds, and hopefully I'll see him up close tomorrow. Not that close, but what a week for Nick, and a great job by Adam. Yeah, And, you know, I, I must be a little bit asleep at the switch. But, you know, they always say they're going to Disney World. And for some reason in my mind, Adam was certainly ahead of me. I never dreamed that it was the next day that the team came home to Philly and he went to Disney World. I, I just <laughs> I thought it was something that happened like a week later, two weeks later or something. Never thought Yeah, I remember that from a, a couple of past years. I noticed the same thing. They do that commercial, you know, right after the game, and then you see news reports the next night that they were already there. So that is a quick turnaround and probably a tiring thing for a MVP quarterback. But, uh, hey, you got to do what you got to do, and I'm sure it was fun for Nick and his family. Yeah, and why would I know that? I've only lived here like 30 years. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> 30, 30 minutes from Disney World. Who knew? <laughs> hey, Chet, obviously uh, the Eagles are a hot item around town. People want to get autographs, meet the Super Bowl champions. Boy, that has a great – so we wanted mm-hmm. to put out a quick list of signings uh, – so people know what's going on. Uh, Carl's Cards is having Jason Kelsey and Bo Allen on Friday night. Corey Clement and Mitch the Wild Thing Williams was already pre-scheduled before the Super Bowl. So uh, Mitch will be there from the Phillies. He'll be there on Saturday. So you can go to Carl's Cards for details there. Popple Sports will be having Rodney McLeod, Nige Good, Corey Graham, and Danelle Ellerby on Saturday at Plymouth Meeting Mall. You can check them out at popple.com. 
In sports ball, we'll have Jalen Mills, Derek Barnett, Timmy Jernigan, Nigel Bradham, all at the Exton Balls. You can visit their website, sportsvaultshop.com, for those details. It's all happening on Saturday, Chet. And I can tell you this, in early March, it's the first weekend in March at the Philly Show, they will be having Carson Wentz, Alshon Jeffrey, and Nick Falls lined up. Uh, and there's going to be more. Uh, you interested in any of the guys? Hey, what Eagles fan wouldn't be interested in some of those names? And by the way, Bill, thanks in advance to you for agreeing to foot the bill for the three or four autographs and photo ops that I want the most. That is mighty nice of you. Uh, well, I tell you what, you got you have an outside <laughs> chance on a couple of them, and you have no chance on most of them. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to do well, I think, over the next few months with these appearances. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, it's the, I know the guys, you know, the agents are asking for the prices. The, the store owners are doing their best to control things so that, you know, all this stuff is affordable for the fans. Um, but the important thing is that these guys are getting out, the players are getting out and, uh, and seeing the fans and that's what the fans want. Absolutely. It's going to be a fun year. This, this is a party that's going to go on, I think, until uh, they kick off the next season in September. Oh, I think it is too. And, and I think that, uh, the only thing that makes this party a little bit less and it won't be, it won't really be less, but it's when the Sixers or the Flyers, pull off a playoff appearance and start playing good and, uh, and get themselves involved in some other things that gets us cheering for somebody else to win a championship. Yeah. And we were talking with Bill and Joe about that. Uh, we think they're all headed in the right direction. So hopefully like Joe said, winning is really contagious and we'll see another parade in the next year or two from one of the other teams. Yeah, it, it's going to be fun. Things are the, the arrow is certainly pointing up, and uh, mm-hmm. and you know, Chet, here it is. We're we're on what February the seventh. Spring training is two weeks away, and no one's mentioned it. I think pitchers, pitchers and catchers actually report on the fourteenth, which is one week away, if I'm not right. mistaken. Yep, yep, and uh, yeah, they're going to be playing games here just just a few weeks out, and. Uh, Hard to believe, but in Philadelphia, it's all about the green. Yeah. We'll be talking baseball and hockey and basketball after next week, I would say, on our show. So uh, stay tuned for that because there's a lot going on on the Philly sports scene. Well, yeah, and that's what I was going to say. There, there are other things going on. We promise we'll get back uh, once the Super Bowl hangover wears off a little bit. Then uh, the Sixers are playing well, Flyers are playing well, and uh, it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah, both of those teams coming off impressive victories Tuesday night. The Flyers in overtime, the Sixers beating Washington. Um, both are fighting hard to make the playoffs as we move into a key part of the season here in February and into March. And, hey, we actually had Joel Embiid play on back-to-back nights last week. Yeah, we did, and he played well in both of those games. Uh, you know, a little less minutes in the second game. But, uh, you know, the, the key is, after a couple nights off, can he come back and play in a couple more games, you know, and, and build on this thing? Don't play two and miss miss a week. Yeah, yeah. But, no, he, he is uh, looking better and better, I would say, and still waiting for that Markel Fultz. We, we continue to see him working out. I know he did an interview with, I guess, TNT last night about his progress. I didn't hear the, you know, outcome as far as how soon he thinks he might be back, but I want to see what he can do if he's finally healthy. Yeah, me too. Me too. Hey, Chet, you know, I mentioned this a little bit earlier to Bill and Joe, and I, I wanted to get your take on it. How refreshing is it that these organizations are behind each other? I mean, it, you know, they had we had Peterson there. The, I guess the Sixers are ringing the bell, or the Eagles are ringing the bell at the Sixers game. The Flyers have been around, and Bede goes to the Super Bowl. Um, how cool is it? That, oh, matter of fact, I saw a post from that Cameron Rupp, who is a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan, living in the heart of Texas, in a LeGarrette Blunt jersey rooting for the Eagles. Oh, wow. I didn't see that. That's nice. Yeah, he is a Cowboys fan, so that is awesome to see. But, yeah, these teams sure have stepped up. The Sixers holding a pep rally at the arena during their game last Friday. The Phillies put up a huge banner to congratulate uh, the Eagles, their neighbors from across the street, on Tuesday. So, all of that is nice to see, and hopefully it will inspire those teams a little more to continue to work hard to bring more trophies back to Philly. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's cool, and it, it's good that these athletes uh, are are friends. I know that there's been a lot of that over the years, but uh, we're right now we have a team, at least with the Eagles, that seems to be a team that is very uh, non-ego. You know, they don't have a lot of egos. They're all good people that are out doing good things, and uh, you know, it's easy to be friends with them kind of guys. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, Mr. Chesco, you've been on a roll with your guests, and uh, I know we're going to talk all kinds of stuff next week. So who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio? Well, because it'll be Valentine's Day, Bill, I thought that you and I might sing a medley of our favorite ballads on the show next week. Maybe not. Maybe not. No, Actually, no. <laughs> we have two, two awesome guests to sort of put a bow on this terrific Eagle season. So one more week of football talk. The first guest is a frequent visitor to our show, he was in Minnesota for all the action last week. He's the head guy at Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowton. Always good to talk to BLG. In addition, I'm going to have an interview with a huge Eagles fan. He's another member of the WMMR Preston and Steve Morning Show who is known affectionately as Casey Boy. Lifelong Birds fan and a great, fun-loving dude, Casey Boy. Oh, and either next week or the following week, Bill, we will have, by popular demand or not, the start of a second season of Random Q2, where I put you on the hot seat with a couple of fun questions for 10 straight weeks. You can handle it. There you have it. Well, who knew that was coming? Uh, not <laughs> me. Hey, one, one other thing I want to talk about, uh, I want to throw out here, because I don't know how many people are on Twitter, and, and you know, we try to post a lot of, the, of his work on our, on our website, phillypressboxradio.com. Fran Duffy is already at it with breaking down the Super Bowl. And if you go to FDuffy3 on Twitter, you can follow Fran. He is breaking stuff down that is just so fun to watch. And if you like to see how the ins and outs of football, check out FDuffy3 on Twitter. We love Fran, and I'm sure we'll have him on again right before the draft, as we have every year. Yeah, and, you know, we might even have to sneak him on before the draft because he mm-hmm. is just yep. wound up talking uh, talking about what's going on right now. All right, Mr. Chesco, do we have a parting shot for you today? Yeah, Bill, last week I told the heartwarming story of how 25 years ago during a Super Bowl, I met a young woman who a couple of years later would become my wife. I said on the show that meeting Linda that night in early 1993 would always be my number one memory tied to a Super Bowl. But I said I was hopeful that the Eagles in Super Bowl 52 would give me great memory 1A. Well, sorry, Linda, but I may have to switch that order around. See, not only did the birds come through with a win, a Super Bowl win, finally, but it was a terrific game with nonstop action. Now, to my wife's credit, she made some tasty enchiladas, and for the first time ever, she sat and watched the entire game with me. So she gets points for that. Here's the issue. She thought the game was boring. Couldn't understand why people got so excited about this football thing. And she was serious, too. So, years later, my memories from Super Bowl 52 will be, of course, the Eagles winning the Lombardi Trophy for the first time and my wife watching a football game with me for probably the last time. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know where to go with that. Honest to God, she was watching and says, Are you, do you think this is a good game? I said, it's like one of the best Super Bowls ever. It's very exciting. It's awesome. She says, oh, I'm kind of bored. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh well. Well, I can t- I can tell you that uh, my wife sat right next to me in her in her spot, and uh, we watched every second of it together, and it was fun. Nice. Not a big sports fan either, but it was fun, and she knew I was enjoying it, so she was too. Yeah, she hung with me and watched the game, like I said. So I really appreciated the support, and I, I do give her a lot of credit for doing that. All right. Well, with that, Jet, uh, we've reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guests, Bill Werndell, Joe Valley, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LakeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chet Chesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, February 14th at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Philly Press Box Radio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Mixcloud. I hope Philadelphia sports fans, Philadelphia Eagles, Super Bowl 52 champions. Oh,